Which language? Whatever cooking language that was. Not good at it. What does that mean? Fuck off. Jesus. <laughs> All right, we are back. Did you say alt right? Jesus, Jasmine. Jesus, Jack. Welcome back to Killer Reactions. With your host Jasmine and longtime guest. You're the host and of the longtime guest. No, I was saying oh, as I'm in for you to yeah. Guest. Yeah. <laughs> Jack. <laughs> Cross the leg. Oh, we're getting fancy now. A guest now. Long time. Long time. Mm-mm. Hmm. Made it. Putting that on the resume. I was just about to say you can add it to your resume. Add it to my LinkedIn. Because <laughs> everyone uses that. Woo! To socialize. I heard. Yes. I hear. I yes. hear things. That's where I find all the ladies. Oh, and this lady in particular. Just kidding. She was not around for LinkedIn. Actually, I don't know when are LinkedIn sure? was LinkedIn created. Are we sure LinkedIn might have been... Are we sponsored by LinkedIn? No, we're then not. Then that's the last time we're saying it's Yeah. Name. Fuck that. Yeah. Just, just go. In... <laughs> No, just go. Um, okay, so this week is episode 49. Did I say that? I don't know. Uh, it's episode 49. Woo! 4 plus 9 is 13. 7 times 7 is 49. That's a lot of episodes. That was some weird math, but yeah. What, what's so weird about it? It's very true. Do you just want to... <laughs> I don't know. Never mind. We'll get past it. A lot of math on Will today. We? I don't know. Didn't know how to do a percentage earlier. I was really, really thinking about I it. I know I was there because you called me while I was at work to ask me instead of doing anything else. I was going to Google it, but then I was like, what if it's wrong what I'm Googling? You know what I'm saying? Like, if I put the wrong information in, it's going to give me the wrong answer. You just have to press the I'm feeling... Are we... Wait a minute. Are we sponsored by Google? We're not sponsored then by fucking anybody. fucking talking about everyone else. <laughs> hey, sponsor us. Sponsor us and maybe we'll talk about you. Okay. Look, we can go on tangents forever. So clearly, <laughs> it's worth it. Clearly, your advertisements would be... Right here. Chef's kiss. This whole first 15 minutes. Hey, hey, it's only been two and a half. Two and a half minutes. That's a that's a long advertisement. That is long. You, you never met YouTube? No, I've never met another thing we're not going to talk about. That's true. God damn it. My God. Okay. I'm episode not going to talk four, about that either. Eddie, episode 49. Um, this is a pr- killer reactions. At, at uh, Instagram at killer.reactions if you want to follow, like, comment, subscribe. Or sponsor. Com- Ring that fucking yeah. bell. Any- There's no bell. I just like saying it. <laughs> you want to get a bell? Hey, do the gong. No, mm. it's not the same. It's probably loud as fuck. We're going to buy a bell. We should. Okay, so I've been wanting to do this person after I heard her being done on another podcast. Ah, so I was like, oh, cool, interesting, let me do it. But then every time I went to go do it, I was like, too much. And then this week I did it. I, I did it. Got it. Um, and then I got to the end and it was, again, too much. But you know what? We'll get there at the end. Let's start at the beginning. Myra Hindley, I think. Never heard of her. Here is the killer first reaction. Kind of reminds me of someone. I'm not sure exactly who it is, but someone it's like not famous. Andy Warhol. Oh. <laughs> it's not. 
I'm sure some people will be thinking it. <laughs> it's not. Okay, so that's her. She was born July 23rd, 1942, in Manchester, England. A rough time to be born in England, for sure. I'm bad with dates. Is that the second World War II? Okay. England Uh, was bombed quite a lot during World War II, I believe. That makes sense because she had her parents, Nellie and Bob, and Bob served in World War II in the parachute. Regime, regiment, regime. Most likely regiment. I regiment. don't think he was part of a regime. What's the difference? Um, well, I think. Uh, well, let's find out since you're gonna ask me, and I don't want to get it wrong. Let's waste some time, wasting some time. And let's cut back when you find the answer. A regime. We found the answer. And by the way, it was in literally seconds. Yeah. So there was no point in the pause and weirdness. We don't have Regime is a government. Okay. Regiment is, I'm assuming, a sect of an army, something like that. A permanent unit of an army. Got it. Okay. So definitely, definitely different things. So he was not in a regime. Got it. Regiment. I'm assuming he wasn't part of the government. I don't think he was. Um, so he was gone doing this for three years. So, like, her first three years didn't really see him at all. Three-year tour. And if you hear that, it is our cats fighting... For a spot that they have carved out under a couch that has many holes, and that is where they love to sleep and fight. Okay. (laughs) I wonder if you could hear the hissing. Um, So Nellie, which is Myra's mother, uh, they went to go live with Nellie's mom, Ellen. Okay. Okay. So, when Bob returned from war, he they ended up getting their own house, and it was right around the corner from Ellen, the grandmother. Um, but he had a hard time readjusting, so if he wasn't working, he was at a pub. So, like, war will do that to you. Probably. I wouldn't know. Um, August 1946, when she was four, she, her little sister was born, Maureen. 1946, when she was four. Yeah, she was born in 92. Or yeah. 42. No, 42, yeah. I was like, wait, did I put that? I miss her. Um, so her, she was born. Both her parents had to work, and they found that this was too much, so that they decided to send Myra to live with her grandmother, Ellen. Um, and this meant that Myra really just never had a full relationship with like her parents, really. So in Myra's schooling, her attendance was poor, because her grandma was like, let her stay home for anything. Like she was like, oh, you got a cough? Yeah, stay home. Oh, you want to stay home? Yeah, stay home. So. <laughs> oh, you're going to school? Stay home. Stay home. <laughs> so yeah, her attendance was bad, but her grades were pretty decent. She exhibit exhibited some talent for creative writing and poetry. She loved sports and athletics. She was a good swimmer. Um, however, person personality and appearance wise, she was not particular. I can never say the word particularly thank you feminine um her nickname was square arse do they just say ass or is it just spell no they arse? say arse okay square arse because she had broad hips and then she was also teased for the shape of her nose broad which broad hips uh anybody childbearing hips yeah whoops accidentally i'm a woman during the 40s too <laughs> like i'm surprised people weren't like look at those hips everyone shut the fuck up about that it's a compliment it's not even doing anything 
So her reputation was that she was mature and sensible. This meant that she was the go-to babysitter in her neighborhood. Parents and kids loved her, and she demonstrated a genuine love for children. She was an adult, even when she was young. Yeah, pretty much had to grow up fast, like everybody in that time, I feel. Um, She had a close male friend who died when she was 15. So he was 13, named Michael Higgins. And I think she, like, babysat him, but, like, grew, like, super attached. Like, it was, like, her little brother almost. Unfortunate. And so she was always protective of him. And he had drowned in a reservoir, um, like, a swimming hole that the local kids used. And she felt hella guilty because that day he asked her to go swimming and she said no. And she's such a swan... Strong... Strong swimmer that she thought that she could have saved him because, you know, he drowned. Yeah, or at least been there. Yeah, could have done something. So at that point, she just gave up on school, dropped out, and then ended up converting to Roman Catholicism, which was Michael's religion. I don't know what she was before, but she got, like, super into Roman Catholicism. Um... Her first job was as a junior clerk at an electrical engineering firm. During this time, she was just like most teen girls, going to dances, cafes, listening to rock and roll, had an occasional cigarette, and flirted with the boys. An occasional cigarette. An occasional. She was a, what is it called? A A whore? No, I'm just just kidding. (laughs) I'm sorry. This is the 40s, 50s, the 60s at this point? That was fucking funny. No, she, that was a joke. No, uh, what is it called? A social smoker. A social smoker. That's what I was going for. Ah. So her appearance became more important, so she began to bleach her hair, wear dark makeup, and attempt to look older and more sophisticated. As one does. As one does. I do the same thing. That's you bleaching your hair? Yeah. Ooh. You need another bleacher. Um, in 1959, when she was 17, on her 17th birthday, she got engaged to Ronnie Sinclair. It's a local boy who worked as a tea blender at the local co-op. Um, then, like, during her engagement, she really started to think about what married life is in the about-to-be-60s, which is marriage, home, kids, husband spending all the money at a local pub. That was her idea of... Yeah. Death. Well, I Death think that, at the that's end. That's yeah. pretty goddamn spot on yeah. on average. Even nowadays, there's similar stuff, except, you know, there's obviously a lot of different considerations. Variations. There's of quite course. a few people who still live those lives. Yeah. So she decided, fuck that, and wanted more, an exci- more of an exciting life. So during that, she uh, called off her engagement completely. And was like, let me do something. She almost applied to the Navy and Army, but never sent in her shit. I don't know what she would have been in in the 60s. Like a nurse. I don't know. Were women allowed in in the 60s? I, Probably. Uh, in England, it's in England? volunteer army, so I don't know if that has to do with women. Oh, true, true, true. I don't know. Okay, so anyways. Actually, that might have changed after she, like, World War One. She, so she almost applied, but never did. She considered going to America to be a nanny, but never followed through with that. So she ended up going to London to find work, but that didn't work out either. But in 1961, so she did all that for like two years. It's all two years. So in 1961, when she was 19, she met Ian Brady. And your reaction, please? 
He looks like a woman a little bit. I think he looks like a woman with a short haircut. I, th- I thought he kind of looked like a little shark, his face. The nose kind of reminds me of a shark. I don't know why. I don't know about that. Maybe I'm seeing it wrong. Is there something wrong with his mouth? I don't think so. Looks like he got punched in the face a little bit. Maybe it's just the shadowing. Yeah. He got a big lower lip. Maybe he just bit it. I totally get it, man. No, not sexy. Like, literally, like, he bit it and was like, ow, (laughs) my lip is swollen now because life is awful and these things happen. Exactly. So... I'm assuming he's not like a, like this is gonna be totally unrelated to murder. Or killers. Yeah, no. You were just, Killer reactions. You, it sounded like you were emphasizing his name, but I think you were just doing mm-hmm. that on accident. But I just want to give a small background Ian, on him. Ian, you said. Ian. 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 I A N. Ian. That's Ian, right? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. So a little small back background on Ian. He was born January second, nineteen thirty-eight. So he was four years older than Myra. Um, he was born in Gorbels. Corbels. Which is, I guess, one of the roughest slums in Glasgow, Glasgow. Scotland. Um, his father died before he was born. Well, that's what his mom said. And his mother worked as a tea room waitress in a hotel. And she always signed Mrs. because apparently, not apparently, because unwed mothers were considered fucking gross. That's why I have that line I told you yesterday. That was my... Of course. Yeah. And that hasn't changed at all today. Not at all. Uh, His mother would leave him alone at times, and then, like, she would go to work, and he was, like, literally a baby just left alone pretty much at the house. And she's... In Gorbals, too. In Gorbals. Remember, remember, this is also an awful Gorbals. Yes. (laughs) The name sounds so funny. Just gets so garbled up in my mouth. Gorbals. So she didn't like this, so she advertised for a permanent sitter to take in Ian. And Mary and John Sloan answered this and unofficially adopted him when he was four months old. His uh, mother signed over all the welfare payments and arranged a visit to him every Sunday. I've seen Downton Abbey. Is that a similar situation? Remember Mm -hmm. though? Well, this is kind of what I'm thinking of, like, uh, I can't think of the girl's name. The one Ellen Page, like, did the movie... We all, yeah, no, the movie where she gets beat up by everybody in the house. I don't remember what it's called, but yes. That one, that's what I'm thinking of. So, um. I don't know the next part, so. Yeah, no, well, it's not, he doesn't get beat up, no. Let's say that doesn't make much sense to me at all yet. I just meant, like, he, like, you know how her parents gave them to the people and then gave them money. Oh, just that part. Yeah, just that part. Okay. <laughs> a minute of the movie, in case you're wondering. The first, it like, would, ten seconds. It would not yeah. matter if it didn't put her in that situation. Um, so he, she always brought him presents, never realizing, or never realizing, never revealing that she was his mother. Um, yes, this is literally a Down Abbey episode, which I'll explain later to you. So the visits became less and less frequent, and then finally all stopped altogether when he was 12. She had moved to Manchester with her new husband. So, how nice. Yeah. So, from, you know, being left by his mother and then being in this house with people that aren't his parents, like, he knows that. Oh, they told him. Okay. No, I don't think he, th- he told them, but he just said he knows that he's not a part of. I don't know. Like, he has the feeling. He just, he just doesn't feel like he belonged at all. So, um,. Ian, oh, so the Sloanes 
showed him, like, a loving environment, was, like, nice to him, you know, didn't fucking, like, beat him and shit, but Ian just didn't care. He just didn't feel like he belonged. So, throughout his childhood, he was thought of as lonely, difficult, and angry, and he would have extreme tantrums that usually ended with him banging his head on the floor. I totally get that. In school, he was considered bright, but never tried as hard as he could. Other kids uh, thought he was different, secretive, and an outsider, and he didn't play sports, so he was considered a sissy. Yeah, everyone's a sissy to, like, beat your ass, kids. Uh, there was an incident when he was nine that had changed Ian, like, just from within, I guess. So he was on a trip with his family, and they were at, like, this place, I don't know, picnicking. Who got murdered in front of him? I have seen Criminal Minds. No, surprisingly. Who did he murder? No, surprisingly, they went picnicking all day, you know. And it was nice. They were tired, whatever, so they fell asleep. They took a little nap. He... like went on top of like a steep slope and was just standing there just fucking standing there and staring out like out so they tried for like an hour to like get him down like hey let's let's fucking go home and then he just like ignored like did not give them any attention and then they had to send like their kids however many kids up to like try to get him to come down and they were he was like no just fucking leave i'm good here and finally they got him down and he said like it filled him like with a sense of power like seeing like he was above like everything like this was his domain and like whatever that's what awakened in him awakened awakened awoken i don't know at age 11 ian got into a gifted school but he soon just didn't care and started to misbehave so he took up smoking and then like how he put took up smoking and then gave up school altogether like that was that was the nail in the (laughs) coffin was that damn cigarette that damn cigarette this nicotine makes me want to say fuck fuck school (laughs) so uh this is when at age around age 11 that he started having a nazi fascination so he always talked about them and i was thinking of fucking mean girls when uh, Caddy's always, like, trying to fucking get Regina into the conversation. Like, oh, yeah, did you know, like, Regina's this, this, and this? And she's like, yeah, you told me that already. Oh. Well, did you know Regina this, this, and this? That's how I feel like that was. <laughs> Are you talking about Nazis so much, man? It's over. Did you know Nazis? <laughs> They're over. We're done so with he And then he always insisted on playing uh, a German in war games with friends. So... Very nice. Yeah. Um, at age 13 to 16, he was, well, in that range, Ian was charged on three counts of housebreaking and burglar, burglary. On the third, on the third count? Either on the third count or the third time, I don't know. I need to reread my notes before I do this. Um, he... The court decided that he wasn't going to be sent to prison. Instead, he was going to be sent to his mother and stepfather. Because that's fine. That'll Wait, help him. the birth mother. Yes, the birth mother in Manchester. Who he's, like, never... Yes. What? Who? Okay, judges? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, Fucking, uh, just send him... Mom. Yeah. Mom. 
Send Get the up. fuck out of my car room. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, moving to Manchester, he had a very heavy Scottish Scottish accent, so oh, that old. made him more socially withdrawn because he felt even more like he didn't belong. So, he tried to belong by taking his stepfather's last name and taking a job that he had found for him. So, he just did that for a while and was like, ugh, I hate this. And so, he started to search for direction through the readings of, I'm not even going to try to say that, Crime and Punishment. Crime and Punishment. But what's the... I don't know. Door, das to... Uh, nope, not even going to try. And then works of Marquis de Sade and then Justine, The Kiss of the Whip in the Torture Chamber. So, lovely books. Um, at age 17, he returns to the life of crime. He started working at a brewery and was arrested for stealing lead seals. This time, the courts were less lenient and sentenced him to two years in an institution for young offenders. That's how you get sent to Australia, kids. You said they're in England, right? Yeah. That was a joke. They, they historically sent their prisoners to Australia. Really? Yes, that is why Australia is full of horrible people. Just kidding. It's actually not filled with horrible people, but I am not kidding. Yes, they sent their prisoners to Australia. Also, in That's general, crazy. the English didn't like Scottish people. So, yeah, probably right. a really not bad great. time. So, um, they couldn't find an opening in the, one of these institutions for three months. So, he's sent to prison for a little bit. Oh, I hate when I can't send them to kid prison. Let's just send them to big boy prison. What the fuck yeah. is wrong with the fucking government so, letting these judges do this <laughs> shit? So he learned to toughen up quickly. Yeah, he did. And then he was eventually moved when they found a spot to one of the younger offenders' prisons. Bet they weren't fucking calling him sissy there. Not after that shit so for three months. The obviously, in this young offender's place, it was less, like heavily guarded, I guess, less strict, you know. So he started brewing and drinking his own liquor and rum, running gambling blocks. Oh yeah. <laughs> this guy, yeah, they should not. See, there's another reason. He survived those three months and yeah. learned a couple tricks. <laughs> yeah, I'll be back. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm going to get so some money first, though. He got into a drunken scuffle, and this landed him in a harder young offender's place. Um, Still not prison. Yeah. So he tried to actively learn more about the criminal criminal lifestyle, hoping that, you know, once he got out, he'll make hella money. And he even took bookkeeping courses to, like, Smart. help with that. At age 19, he was released. And there's some other shit, didn't do it, whatever. And then age 21, he put his bookkeeping to good use as a store, cl- store clerk. And that is when... They met Myra and Ian. He worked at there, and then she was... I think she was hired on after, maybe. I don't know, but they worked at the same place. Gotcha. So, they fell in love, or she fell in love hard and fast. He, however, remained disinterested for a year. Was like, hmm. I'm worried about business and crime. <laughs> crime and business. Uh, yeah. I, crime and punishment? Crime and business is my book. That's my game. <laughs> crime and money. Um, so at an office Christmas party, Ian finally asked out Myra for the first time, and they went to see the Nuremberg Trials as their first date. Is that a movie or a literal I want to say it's a movie, but I'm not sure. Gotcha. 
Uh, weeks, went, weeks went by. He played her records of Hitler's marching songs and encouraged her to read the books he had, the ones I said before, Crime and Punishment. Yes, his favorites. Yes. Um, she, like I said, fell fucking hard and fucking fast. Just gave herself up to him. Like, you are my fucking master, pretty much. So she wrote in, like, a diary, I hope he loves me and will marry me someday. She changed her style. She let him take pornographic pictures of her and of them while they were having sex. And... And this is in, like, the 60s, This is... Yeah, this... So they met... That is some promiscuous stuff. They met 60... Yeah, the early 60s. That is promiscuous stuff, especially for the 60s. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Yeah, so she... When I say changed her style, like, she was already bleaching her hair and shit, but, like, now she's just started wearing, like, super skimpy clothes. And I'm doing quotes around skimpy because you can wear whatever the fuck you want and you can still be a fucking... Also, skimpy compared to then, compared to someone saying it now, it's probably much different. I don't know. Also, it's England, I'm sure. I don't know. I'm sure they don't even know what skimp is. (laughs) So, Ian's ideas that he had, he became more paranoid and outrageous. He told her that there was no God, so she stopped going to church. And he said rape and murder were not wrong, and that murder was the supreme pleasure, and she just didn't question it. I feel like even Hitler would be like... I don't know about that, some of these things. Just saying. <laughs> He's like, I've done them, but I, that doesn't make them, like, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The Geneva Convention <laughs> still exists. I can't go getting crazy. So, in 1963, when she's 21, Ian decided to test her blind allegiance. Um, Ian began planning a bank robbery and needed Myra as the driver. So, she immediately began taking driving lessons and even joined the rifle club and purchased two guns. Smart. The robbery never carried out because he was like, I just need to know if you're good. I was good. just testing yeah. you. And she's like, oh, I probably shouldn't have bought that dress then. We have no money. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so now we get into it, all right? The victims. There's oh no God, transition. There's no transition. Yeah, we're we're my just God. right into it. Yeah, I didn't make a good transition for I this. I forgot this was called killer reactions. Killer reactions. Yes. So July twelfth, nineteen sixty three, Pauline Reed was on her way to a social club. She was planning to go with three friends, but once her parents found out that there would be alcohol at this club, this little gathering, Soiree. they didn't want them to go. Of course. Um, However, Pauline was like, I ain't missing this shit, so she was going to go alone. Her, two of those three friends was like, oh, she's not going to fucking go alone. Let's fucking see. So they, like, literally, like, hide out and see, like, her leave her house, watch her as she's, like, going towards this club and is like, oh, maybe she is. So they cut, like, take a shortcut and get there before her so they can see her, like, coming in, but she never shows up. And be like, we want to be the cool ones. Yeah. So, We're already here. Oh, we didn't think you'd show. <laughs> so. <laughs> Been here for hours. I'm having so much fun. <sighs> Look, give me that beer. <gasps> give me, give me my fifth one. Cause I've been here so long, <sighs> waiting for you. <laughs> so she never shut up, and when she didn't go get home at midnight, her parents were like, "What the fuck?" So they went to go look for her. And when they didn't find her, they called the police in the morning. 
the police couldn't find anything, and it simply looked like she disappeared. That was it. November 11th, 1963, John Kilbride, 12 years old, he went to a local cinema for the afternoon with his friend. Around 5, they went to the market to see if they can get some money helping stall holders pack up. So they were doing that, and then his friend left him by one of the stalls because um, he had to go and get his bu- catch his bus home. He was never seen again after that. Uh, when John didn't show up, his parents called the police. A major search ensued by police and volunteers, but they never found him. Never found, like, a trace of him, a sign of him, nothing. And then June 16th, 1964, Keith Bennett. Every Tuesday, he would go and spend the night at his grandmother's house. It was about a mile away. So his mom would, like, watch him go one way until she couldn't see him. And then she had a bingo night, I guess, and would go the opposite way. So she she did that like normal. And his grandma's there waiting for him. And when he didn't show up, his grandma's like, oh, I guess... She didn't want to, yeah, didn't want to send him this week. But apparently it happened like every week, like every Tuesday. Super weird. So me, I would think, let me make sure. At least like, yeah, ring or go since only a month. Yeah, but no, his disappearance wasn't noticed until his grandma showed up at their house without him, and they were like, "The fuck! I thought he was with you." So police were called. Search happened. These are in. This is in the same town. Mm-hmm. Same area. Yeah. Ugh, I don't know if it's. I don't know so if it's weird. the exact same town, but it's the same area. Yeah. Um. And again, it looked like he just disappeared without a trace. And then December twenty sixth, nineteen sixty four, Leslie Ann Downey, who's ten, she went with her two brothers and some friends to a local fair, which was only about ten minutes away. Uh, They ran out of money fast and just got fucking bored and were like, we're going to go home. And everyone went home except for Leslie, which I'm like, I'm sorry, didn't your mom, like, tell your brothers, like, make sure, I don't know. Nope, they would just probably get yelled at when they got home. Probably. Or be like, where's your fucking sister? She wanted to stay, we're not going to drag her ass back. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to go drag your ass to go get her and drag her ass over here. (laughs) So. Idiot kids. The last time. Uh, she was seen, she was just standing alone next to a ride, and then when she didn't come home for dinner, her parents went to go look for her, they found nothing, called the police, they searched, and apparently questioned thousands of people, uh, missing posters were put up, uh, but nothing happened, no leads, nothing. And now we get to the good part. That wasn't the good part? No. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. October 7th, 1965. David Smith, who was 17, and Maureen, Myra's sister, came and told the police what happened the night before. And I am about to tell you what happened. On October 16th? October 6th. October 6th? Mm-hmm. Myra went to go visit their home, David and Maureen. Um, I don't know what she went to go visit for, but visited their house. And then... I guess it was late, and so Myra... Do I need a reason? My... That's probably what she said, and how you could answer that. Myra... Do I need a reason to come say hi to my sister? Myra said she was afraid to walk home alone, so David uh, walked her. 
When they got to her house, she invited him in because she said Ian had some miniature bottles of wine for him. So, you know, as any sane person would do, they'd be like, hell yeah, some free wine. Already in the door. Yeah. (laughs) So he agreed, came in, and he was left in the kitchen with the wine. He was just, I guess, like reading the bottle or something. I don't know. Then he heard a scream from the living room, and Myra was yelling. I don't know if he was, like, yelling for him to come or just yelling, but there was a scream. Regardless, most people will check that out. Exactly. So he entered the living room, and he saw Ian holding a, quote, life-size rag doll. However. It was not a rag doll. It was not a rag doll. It was a body. It was a body. It was on on the floor next to him. I guess he, like, tossed him. Whatever. Now he's on the floor next to David, right? And Ian is standing over him with an axe in his hand. And Ian hears this man, this boy, groaning. So he hits him in the head with the axe. A couple seconds, a little silent. I'm sorry, but now, who is the boy? We'll get to it, but just the boy. Okay. Uh, couple seconds of silence, another little low groan. Um, so Ian did it again. Um, he stopped groaning. Now there's only like a little gurgling. So Ian placed a cover over his head and wrapped electric wire and, around his neck and started pulling, saying, you fucking dirty bastard, over and over again. When there was no more noise, he looked up at Myra and said, that's it. It's the messiest yet. You think? Fucking axe to the head two times? And this isn't the guy who was here for wine? No. No, it's He's the life. He's watching this yep, happen? Yep. What the? F- just wait. Myra made all of them tea after this. What? <laughs> what? Hey, PSA, don't be fucking stupid or you deserve it. Well. I would have fucking booked it if I was wine guy. Well, well, it's, so it's her brother-in-law. So he's like obviously shocked by what just happened and he didn't want to, like, alarm, like, have them kill him, you know? So. I, no, I, I can only play it so cool. I would have immediately booked it for a door. So she, I know, this, I know. I so couldn't, she, I couldn't have, I would have jumped out of a fucking window before I fucking let them get anywhere near me. She and Ian joked about the look on the boy's face when Ian struck him with the axe. What was the they laughed for then, Myra? To get his, I don't know. They laughed as they told the story of Myra getting confronted by police as they were burying one of the previous bodies that was mentioned. Um, and then Ian had David, had told David in the past that he had killed people, but uh, David always just thought this was like a, a joke, a, joke, a, a weird gag. fantasy thingy. I don't fucking know. Just uh, not real. Hey, if you choose so, to miss the signs, you might deserve it. David decided to pass... The, decided the best plan of action was to play along until he could actually get away safely. So, he helped clean up the mess, tie up the body, and put him upstairs. And finally, he was able to leave in the early hours of the morning saying, yeah, I'll come back and help you dispose of the body. Like, I just need, you know, take a nap or something. I don't know. So, he left, got home, was violently sick, and then 
told everything to Maureen. And that's when they went to call the police. And, um... I mean, I'm glad it worked out, but I'm just saying... I know. I don't, I, I, I don't I know if I could have stayed. I, I couldn't have stayed. I think out of nine out of ten times, he was getting murdered, too. Mm-hmm. Like... I thought so, too, when I was reading nine it. Nine out of ten times. I don't, like... They clearly like killing, like, young people, but, like, still. So, immediately... So, they told... The, they called the police. They are in there telling them this whole story. So, right after hearing this story... Um, the superintendent and detective sergeant went to Myra and Ian's home. Um, and about two dozen additional officers, just in case. So they go, they talk to Myra, and she reluctantly gives them a key to the only locked room in the house, which is where the body was upstairs, wrapped in a blanket, and the axe was also in the room there. Ian was arrested immediately. He told police that an argument broke out between himself, David, and the victim, who was Edward Evans, a 17-year-old. She said, or he said, David hit Edward and kicked him several times. And then he, Ian, used the hatchet to hit Edward. And then Ian said that he and David tied up the body and that Myra had nothing to do with this at all. When Myra was questioned, she supported Ian's story, saying that she was horrified and frightened. Um, however, she was arrested four days later after police found in her car a three-page document describing in explicit detail how she and Ian were going to carry out that murder. Why do you need a three-page document? I don't know. Just I prefer keeping things to one page. Yeah, right? Easy to hold. Like, what the fuck do you need for three fucking pages? Am I three right? Three fucking pages. All right, so. The stupidity. Investigation. Probably would have stopped if um, David didn't tell them that Ian claimed that he had buried more bodies in. Uh, it's called Saddleworth Moor. So, like, a little. Like, I want to say, like, forest preserve type thing. Okay. Um, and then there's other references of them being at the moor, um, that made them interested in investigating further. There was, like, pictures of them there, and, like, people said that they, like, go there, whatever. So the police pinpointed that the area that they frequented the most and began to dig. On October 10th, 1965, the body of Leslie Ann Downey was found. So that's about a year later-ish. Um, and then 11 days after that, John Kilbride's body was found. Uh, and that's about two-ish years later. On October 15th, 1965, they decided they need to thoroughly search Myra and Ian's home to see what else is going on. Well, I mean, they uh, just leave around fucking Axes. manifestos <laughs> for fucking four days later she was arrested when they found it? Yeah. And... I'm assuming they might have been like, you're fine. I don't know. I don't know. It's England, so yeah, I don't know what the fuck true. they do. Who knows? They don't. Their cops don't carry guns. Do they not? I don't think so. That's insane. God, I'd feel... Hmm, I don't know. This is America. <laughs> A lot of people so, feel safe with the fucking police here didn't have guns. So... In Ian's, Ian and Myra's house, they find a luggage ticket tucked into a prayer book 
that led them to a locker at Manchester Central Station. Inside were two suitcases filled with pornographic and sadistic paraphernalia. Amongst these were semi-pornographic pictures of Leslie. She was naked, bound, and gagged in a variety of poses in Myra's bedroom. Wasn't Leslie the 10-year-old? I think she was 10, yes. Ugh. Um, I mean, anyone it was is disgusting and awful, but Jesus. Yes, she was 10. Yeah. It's fucked up. Um, yeah. So they also found a tape recording, and it was a voice of a girl screaming, crying, and begging for her life, and two other voices, a male and a female, that were threatening the child. Police were able to identify Ian, Ian, Ian and Myra's voices, um, but they unfortunately had to have Leslie's mother listen to the tape to make sure it was, to make sure her daughter. it was her. I'm like, it almost like I almost want to cry right now. Like fuck, that would be so sad. It's super uh, awful. I would literally not be able to be in that room with those people. I would literally ooh. be like, I, if you give me a second, like. Yeah, I feel like if we had a like, kid and you found out they died and, like, we have this, like, you would literally murder somebody. Yeah, I and I probably I, would, I, yeah. I'm pretty confident I would murder someone Same. for doing that. Same. Um, but even with this, they denied killing Leslie. Yeah. And all the other stuff. So we have the blame game with Edward Evans, the um, axe, last one. Um, he They tried to implicate David in that. Uh, said David, uh, oh, so they try to implicate David with that one, but then also decided, you know what, let's, let's implicate him, let's let's implicate him in all the murders. Because why not? If you're already doing one, I mean, shit, you could have just been like, what about this other kid, this 17-year-old, do we know where he's been? He could have done it, right? And we killed him because of that? We're good people? I don't know. So, he, he said that David brought the girl to the house, Leslie, uh, to the house so Ian could photograph her. The tape recording was when they tried to subdue her to take the pictures. And then Myra said the only reason her voice was, like, harsh was because she was afraid neighbors would hear Leslie. And as far as Myra and Ian know, she left unharmed with David, saying that David must have murdered her. Yeah, okay. Um, Evidence linking the couple to John Kilbride's murder... Uh, It was not overwhelming, but it was enough to charge them. They found John's name written in Ian's handwriting in his notebook and on a picture of Myra that was on John's grave at Saddleworth Moor. Dumb fucks. Uh, Myra also rented a car that day and returned it all muddy. And they, this is the one that he was at the, like, uh, market helping. Couldn't even clean the car? Nope. It seems like... And they shopped at that market every week. So, very, very suspicious. Yes. They were unable to find the other two bodies or any evidence to link Ian and Myra to their disappearance. Um, In April April 27, 1966, they were brought to trial. They pleaded not guilty on all, all charges, continued to blame David for the murders, and that only deepened the fucking hatred everyone had for them because clearly no. Um, the couple showed no remorse or sorrow and um, no remorse or sorrow throughout the trial. 
Ian was found guilty of the murders for Leslie, John, and Edward. Myra was found guilty for the murders of Leslie and Edward and harboring Ian knowing he killed John. So they narrowly fucking escaped the death penalty. Narrowly. Four weeks before their arrest, the Murder Act of 1965 to abolish the death penalty was passed. Wow. Or came into effect. Yeah. Four weeks. So, while in prison, uh, Ian still had a hold over Myra for at least a few years. Um, they constantly were writing each other, even had the audacity to request permission to get married. Um, but I don't think they did. Um, eventually there was a rift because of how they both viewed prison. Like, Ian quickly just accepted it. was like, accepted the guilt, accepted the sentence, and settled into prison life. Yeah. Myra, though, continued to assert her innocence, claiming Ian and David were responsible for the murders, and she began the appeal process, and, um, that first appeal, I guess, was, was... denied and said that there was no miscarriage of justice, right? 1970, when Myra's 28 and Ian's 32, they broke off contact. He, uh, yeah, his hold kind of just broke because Myra's like, yeah, well, I guess we're never really gonna be together or see each other. Yeah. Who cares? Exactly. So this is the part where there was, like, a lot of stuff. Like, it was going back and forth. So Myra kept trying to appeal her case for 20 years. Like, just anything and everything. Every yeah. Um, Keith Bennett, though, or Keith Bennett's mother wrote to Myra to tell her, like, please tell me what happened. Like, I just need to know what happened to my boy. Like, I need to know. So this gave Myra an idea. She decided to publicly release her full confession. Okay. I thought she was going to try to do some finessing and be like, oh, maybe I could ask for forgiveness from her or whatever. Some sort of something, anything out of this to gain some positive. And instead, nope, I'll just release everything. She admitted knowing and being involved in all five murders, though she didn't commit the actual murder. Ian's confession came out after, but. It was just like, it was like, yeah, I did it pretty much. Um, yeah. seconded? Yeah, exactly. Uh, with, can I put my name on the bottom of that? <laughs> can I just sign that one? I might as well. I mean, you with, think with all him loving this power, well, power moves, he would have done something like that already. The confessions, they with these confessions, they were able to, um, with these confessions, sorry. Locate the other two bodies. <laughs> they were, or... they knew that the two bodies were in the morgue, like Saddle or somewhere. somewhere. So they eventually found Pauline's body and they were able to identify it because of her pink party dress that she still had on. And the role Myra played in Pauline's murder different differ in their confessions between Myra and Ian. So Myra says she lured Pauline on the pretense of giving her records if she helped her find a glove that she was missing or something. Ian comes up and looks for the glove with Pauline as Myra waits in the car. Doesn't make sense to me, but whatever. Then Myra says Ian rapes and cuts Pauline's throat before coming back to get Myra to help him bury the body. Ian, however, says that she was much more active than that 
She says, or he says that Myra physically and sexually assaulted Pauline with him. So, completely different. Uh, I don't see Ian lying, honestly. Yeah. No, just like, see, why would you? He also, just from what you said, it sounded like, for the most part, it's, at least at the beginning, is like, he's super apathetic and just like, whatever. Exactly. This is just what it, it is. is. Like, about it everything. Is. That's, like, that just seems to be his vibe. Like, even murdering people is like, <laughs> that's it. what it is. I did it. So, Keith Bennett's body uh, was never found. Huh. He... Could have used that, too, I feel. Could have said so. I feel like they, he they're not so smart people. No, they're not. At least Ian doesn't give a shit, so you're like, oh, like, whatever. He's just indifferent. But she's like, I'm trying to appeal. Like, with by herself? Is she her own lawyer? Like, No, she has lawyers. My God, yeah, I'm just saying. It's so like, bad. With all the information that she just freely gave, she, yeah. even if it wouldn't have done much, it could have done something, even just to leverage it, be like, fine, I'll, I'll happily tell the families that I know what's up, and you're not going to do anything about it. That's no problem, police. I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the whole thing is fucking weird. Yeah, it, this, um, is, this is quite the trip. So, Myra's confession give, gave them some indication of how he died. She apparently lured him to the car with a request to help load some boxes, and then got him in the car, mm-hmm. and then got to the moor, or Saddleworth Moor, and Ian took Keith down to the stream, raped, and strangled him. That's what we know. So, like, they think he, he was probably buried somewhere near a stream. I don't know. Um, for Leslie Ann Downs' murder, Myra describes it as she was not there when Ian raped and strangled her. However, Ian says that in this instance, Myra strangled her with her bare hands, which corresponds with the tape of them. So, can't really... I don't know how you go back on that, but whatever. Ian's like, we're never getting that together. <laughs> Literally. You suck. And you know I don't even care that you're throwing this all on me, but it's just bullshit. Like, yeah. It's just bullshit. Like, we're in prison. Why do you care? We're not going to die. This is just us. This is it. So, Meyer tried appealing again. Only case... <laughs> only case that um, a prisoner's sentence actually increased from the original term. Oh, my God. <laughs> the See? case has only case that a secondary party was given natural life, like, sentenced. Um, and then there was, like, literally so much, like, to go through. I didn't want to put it. It was going to be too much. Um, well, you know. But she research. tried to take her... Do your own research. She took her battle to the House of Lords and... Like the Supreme Court, I'm assuming? I don't know, probably. Um, so she had served more than 33 years in jail... Um, Ian, at 61, did a three-month hunger strike because he was hoping to kill himself rather than die in prison. He, he well, still would have died in prison, prison but, but not because of prison. sitting there the whole time. Exactly. Um, oh, then, plus he hates being... He clearly has some power thing. I'm really just doing that from, obviously, the fact that he clearly likes younger people he could easily overwhelm and then it's Manipulate, a bunch of like rape yeah. and murder as well as his obvious his nine year old standing on top of a mountain whatever being like I am a god yeah like yeah. I could be a god so there was a lot of stuff going back and forth he was like ended up getting force fed because they were like you know it's because of your mental instability why you're not doing it so we have to feed you and blah 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 Anyways, it doesn't fucking matter, because who gives a fuck about them anyway? They're dead. 
Are they dead? Yes. How'd they die? I made sure to look. Myra died of respiratory failure in 22. 22? 2002. I was going to say 2022. No. Because if... We need a talk. We need a new podcast, that's for sure. So, died in 2002, and then Ian died of some disease in 2017. I I Restrictive pulmonary disease, I think. I don't know. But both are dead. So, yay. Um, the last thing I have is this was a unique case because it was the first time in British history a woman had been involved in a killing partnership that involved the sexual sex murders of children. Yeah, well... I feel like um, probably not the first, probably the one you caught. You know? True. So, um, so these were either called the Moore's Murder, or she was called the Moore's Murderer, or the Most Evil Woman in Britain. What was Ian called? No, I don't know. Ian? I didn't fucking look it up because I didn't care enough. He didn't deserve it. <laughs> he doesn't. They don't even deserve this. They don't! But that's it. Episode 49. Wow. How crazy. Episode 4 plus 9. But check out next week, episode 50... For an inside scoop on Pat's crazy aunt. Is that what we? Yes. Yeah, it's Pat's all crazy hearsay, aunt. Though. Hearsay, hearsay, hearsay. But check in next week because that should be fucking good. Thank um, you so much for listening as always. Yes, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it so much. Follow Killer Dot Reactions or not. If you, comment if you got someone who you, you'd like to hear about. Oh yeah, DM me. Literally, will will talk to you. Yeah. I will talk to you. I mean, some of you have been DMing us, so, I mean, that's why you know who you are. Yeah. You guys are cool. Thanks for listening. Bye. Goodbye.